Welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. We've got the NIA boys in the house. We've got Jack Butcher, the founder of Visualized Value, wearing his beautiful Dior hat. And we got Trung Fan, lead right at the hustle, me Master Flex himself. Dude, Going Hollywood, boys. Yeah, what? Went Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> where are you, man? You moved? You got yeah, a basement? Yeah, I moved to the, a new house. I got a full basement. I, I mean, I, for the listeners and the watchers, um, I have this stream deck here from Elgato. Uh, the people at Elgato were the nice good, enough to give this good to us. people at Elgato. But uh, what it is, is uh, it's one of these things where you just assign tools to buttons. And uh, one of the buttons I created last night while toying around with it was the Michael Saylor button. And uh, here we go. I'm pressing the Michael Saylor button. Brace yourself. What's the second best? There is no second best. There's no second best crypto asset. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for the listeners and watchers just letting you know that every week i'm gonna figure out a bit more of how to use the elgato stream deck which only means this show is gonna get better every single episode that, every day the green Isn't screen it crazy the green screen behind no, you also from elgato the elgato green can i man, can i show you guys this thing unbelievable hold on. hold on hold on hold on hold <laughs> on Guys, look at this. Look at this. Look, look, look. Easy. Come Speaking to the mic. Speaking look to that. the mic. Listen, if you listen, people, if you need a portable green screen, hit up the people at Elgato. And listen, they did not ask me to say that. They yeah, gave me sponsored. stuff, and I'm using it, and I'm telling you what I'm using. So if you're watching this, Elgato. If you're listening, Elgato. Elgato. Trung, Trung, you moved. You moved houses. You got. A, you got, You're in the basement now, yeah. Yeah, I'm in the basement, dude. We got a basement. I, I sent a picture in the Telegram group. I'm going to Hollywood, but uh, you look like guys, you're about to. This is what to... we need to talk about. How awful is moving? It's the it's worst. no good, man. It's no... Yeah. By the way, you got your Wi-Fi set up real swift too, Trung. That's is it unusual. A little bit stronger. I'm saying, it's strong, but also you have it done like a day after you moved in. That's a power move. Right oh there. no, That's we true. did it four days before we moved in. That's like, powerful, yeah. dude. Wi-Fi is more important than water. I don't yeah. know if you guys saw this statistic, but <laughs> you can survive take the without week. water. <laughs> you can survive without water for like six weeks. You can't survive without internet. <laughs> that's true, man. It's, it's tough. Yeah, that's, that's always good. the first thing. And then Airbnb, when you get there, it looks beautiful and you get there and then you do yeah. that speed test. Nope. You get the app out. <laughs> you know, I've all, I'm all about the app speed test. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? No, I agree, man. Well, dude, the one thing I want to say about moving out, I'll query with you guys. is uh, So I moved with my kid now. So I moved. Uh, so twice now I've moved across the continent. So Vancouver and Boston are basically as far east and west as you can get on a continent. I've done that twice. And this move wasn't too bad. It's like five blocks. Uh, no, less. It's like a kilometer. But that's not the point. When you move, every single thing that has ever happened in your relationship with a significant other bubbles up to the surface. <laughs> you're just it's in this the most stressful. Yeah. Time. You're in this permanent state of stress. So like you, my wife is telling me like move the table an inch. It like stubs her toe. And like she brings up like an awful vacation we had like eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. How about you move these feelings from my head right yeah. now? How about you move, move this stress away from the room? Moving is the worst. 
just from the beginning, when you start doing the search, you disagree about the prices, you disagree about the house. And then till the very end, when you put like the last fork into the drawer, you're <laughs> complaining about why you have so many forks in the house. How do we have so many forks? Why do we have so many forks? When do we buy all these forks? It's never about the fork, bro. It's never <laughs> it's about not- the fork. <laughs> so right. you guys, quick words, how much do you hate moving? Do you have any horror stories? Oh, it's, Jack I think must. Jack said it, Jack said it in the group chat. He said he'd rather, what was it, lose a kidney? What, what did you say? I don't think it's Past podcast safe, what I said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kidney stone. Yeah, 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 it was a kidney stone. I'd yeah. rather sell my board eight for $2 and uh, <laughs> then have to move again. That's probably equivalent. Well, that's a good brutal, segue man. into- yeah. I got uh, some good moving stories, but they're too long for this. All right, fair enough. Maybe we'll that's a moving telegram episode. for the telegram. Mm-hmm. Share the yeah, yeah. bonus. All right, so look, listen, if you made it all the way through our gibberish right now, we, let's tell people what we're talking about today. It's a big week. We got Microsoft just acquired Activision Blizzard, the game maker of Call of Duty, World of Warcraft. We're going to break that down. It's a big bet on gaming, a big bet on the metaverse like everyone else is doing right now. We're going to talk a little bit about the Google shenanigans and uh, there's an alleged antitrust thing going on. Uh, Tran's going to Handshake deal between the Zuck and Sundar Pichai. Exactly. Allegedly. 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 Exactly. Uh, so there's rumor mill there, but let's see uh, what what's going on there. We're also going to talk about other big brands entering Web3. Obviously, it's the rage right now. Everyone from Walmart, Gap, Fendi, they're all creating products for this space. And we're going to break that down. But beyond- NIA soon. NIA, NIA soon. exactly. Yeah, going public. <laughs> no, but beyond uh, like what they're actually doing, we're going to talk about how to do it well and how to not do it and kind of what we're seeing, some observations on that. And then we're going to do a little roundup. We've got Coinbase and MasterCard doing some NFT stuff together. June DAO, which is how DAO's functionality has gone wrong. Uh, a, a Lava Lad update from Jack. And if we get time, we'll do a Fun Fact Fan Netflix price hike. Let's see how much of that we actually get through today. So let's kick it off, boys. What is going on with Microsoft? It just happened. Today we're recording on Tuesday the 18th. So this is coming out in a day or two. And uh, Microsoft just bought Activision Blizzard, one of the big game makers, for almost $69 billion, 68.7. I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, Liquidity, the newsletter uh, account for Liquidity, it pointed out that none of the outlets wanted to price it at 69. They kept rounding up to 70. <laughs> I saw that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was either 68 yeah. or almost 70. Wait, I but Lau, you saw that, right? Saw it was that. always oh, 68.7 or 70. It's like, yo, nice. hold on. That's not how rounding up works. You guys skipped a number. That's true. <laughs> no, yeah, man. so Trunk, I mean, look, this is a few things I read. I mean, look, they're going to become the third largest gaming company in the world when this actually happens behind Tencent and Sony. Uh, obviously, they've already got Xbox. They've got this thing called Xbox Game Pass. It's got 25 million subscribers. Streamer. Yeah, so what? what is this, man? Like, what? what's the big, why are they going after this? D- did you see it coming? Like, what, what do we need to know? I had no idea that it was coming. Uh, I think a lot of people are quite surprised. But if you actually break down the logic train of it, if Activision was going to get acquired, there's like five companies that could do it. And in reality, only one could pull it off. So like the reason why Activision is even on the table right now is I don't know if you guys have seen over the past six months, but if you've heard the name Activision, which again, Bilal pointed out, they, they own Call of Duty, they own Candy Crush, they own World of Warcraft. Last six months, under fire the entire company. Uh, sexual harassment, 
uh, workplace uh, kind of misconduct. And apparently the C-suite knew about it. And I don't know the CEO's name. I, I don't know if either of you guys could pull it up, but in the meantime, I'll explain. He's under fire, the CEO, because it all happened under his watch and he apparently knew about it and nothing happened. So today, Tuesday, Microsoft announced a $69 billion deal. Yesterday on Monday, dozens of Activision executives were fired over the sexual misconduct. So clearly Microsoft's like, okay, we're going to push the deal through, but you got to fire all these people and uh, it's got to become clear that it's a new start, right? So from the Activision side, they're on the table now because of the company culture. It's a toxic workplace. And it sounded like people were trying to get rid of the CEO. So the corp- they're in corporate disarray, right? And By the way, his name prob- is Bobby Kotick, right? Is yeah, Bobby Kotick. Yeah. So the, co- the company has been in disarray. People have talked about for the last couple of months, like, are oh, we going to get rid of this guy? Like, what's going to happen? So this sounds like what the corporate resolution is going to be. They get bought by Microsoft. The new head of Activision will effectively be Philip Spencer, who is the head of Microsoft Xbox gaming. So that explains the Activision side, why they're even on the table, right? So they're on the table because they have corporate disarray. And also gaming is consolidating. Last week, Take-Two Interactive acquired Zynga for $12 billion or $13 billion. And just like all the stuff we're seeing in tech, scale wins. So there's a lot of consolidation happening in the space. So Activision's on the table. So who can acquire Activision now? Amazon has a gaming uh, studio. Google has a gaming studio. Apple has gaming interests. Netflix has gaming interests. And Facebook obviously has gaming interests. All those are on the table as a, a potential acquirer. But Facebook is actually, I mean, uh, Microsoft is actually of the big tech companies, the least under antitrust fire, right? They're not facing any of these lawsuits. I mean, Bilal opened with like Google and Facebook literally are under antitrust scrutiny right now for a handshake deal for rigging ad markets. So they can probably can push a, th- a deal through. So for Microsoft, they get to bolt on uh, Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, all these Activision, uh, Activision games under the Xbox Game Pass that Bilal talked about. So to summarize, Activision was hurting. They looked like they needed a change. This is the change. And Microsoft wants to strengthen their Xbox offering specifically because they're trying to pivot into the cloud with Xbox Game Pass. And now underneath the Xbox brand, this is what they have. I don't play these games anymore, but I think we all know the names. They own Call of Duty, Halo, Doom, Hexen, Quake, Rage, and Overwatch. Ooh, Quake, yeah. that is a throwback. So, <laughs> bro, so it sounds like if you want to play streaming online games, you are going to subscribe to Xbox Game Pass. That's amazing. And how does this compare to other big acquisitions? Because I've read like a tweet, I don't know if this is verified. That is, I mean, how does this compare as like biggest acquisitions basically? This is Microsoft's biggest acquisition ever. Uh, yeah. It's Satya Nadella's biggest acquisition, obviously. It's the biggest all acquisition cash ever. Too, right? All cash, biggest acquisition ever in the gaming space. Uh, and I mean, dude, let's just, let's talk about the boy. I'm just going to throw some Satya, Satya Nadella, Nadella numbers. Yeah, put some all respect right. on his name. Just put some respect. Yeah. Big dick Satya, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love how Satya, everybody's talking about all these other CEOs, right? Everybody's talking about Mark Zuckerberg this. Satya, LinkedIn, boom, 26 bill. Let him know. <laughs> oh, Steve Jobs this or like Tim Cook this. Nuance Communications, 20 bill, boom. And then today comes in 69 bill, right? Unbelievable. So he spent over a hundred billion dollars in acquisitions since he became CEO in 2014. And let, let me throw one last thing out there. 
Since he's become CEO, Microsoft's market cap has gone from $400 billion to $2.2 trillion. So, What's the lesson, Trump? The le- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, here's the lesson. He's only, he's only worth a billion dollars. The lesson is this. You don't get rich being an employee. <laughs> Isn't that the craziest thing, dude? When you've done all these tweets, the amount of people that wrote up about you. That, oh, my that, God. Like dude. real press. I saw it. I don't know. For people who, the independent. who don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Bro. Trump okay, does his tweets. Yeah, he does ahead. like, you know, that, that shit post lesson. You don't get rich being an employee. And there's so there's thousands of people who think you're being serious they don't well they I'll don't tell you go click your page and it says <laughs> dumb memes yeah like it literally says it in your bio well i mean that is as jack knows clicking my page that's one more step right we know how hard click-through rates are yeah that's uh, that funnel <laughs> well the last thing i'll add about that is uh you're absolutely correct uh, for bringing that up guys it uh in in the annals of adding market cap value it's tim cook and satya nadella and sundar pachai those are the three Big dogs, they've all added over 1.5 trillion to their respective companies and market cap since they took over. But as uh, alluded to, none of them are particularly rich versus the founders, <laughs> which is why you don't get rich being an employee. You can become a billionaire, Listen, but you kids. don't get rich. <laughs> all right, anything all right. else on Microsoft? I mean, the question I had was obviously everyone's writing about the metaverse. We're gonna get onto that with the big brands in a minute, but how much of a play is this into the metaverse versus them just using that buzzword, do you think? Obviously, gaming, metaverse go kind of hand in hand in a way, but... I read actually, because uh, we've talked about it before, how uh, Satya was doing like the enterprise metaverse. You guys remember that we were joking about that? This actually yeah, yeah. suggests that, you know, what, you know, put the money where your mouth is. Like, you do a presentation on enterprise, but where is the metaverse really? It's gaming, right? Like, like the, the metaverse entryway for most people will be some type of social consumer facing thing right uh that's that's what i think will happen and this 70 billion dollar acquisition or 69 billion seems to suggest like if you're going to go metaverse this is the entryway although none of the games under activision are quote-unquote metaverse my world of warcraft is probably the closest one but you know they lock in the lead here they pump up the numbers on xbox uh game pass the the cloud offering and you're going to need cloud when metaverse time comes so I yeah. think uh, it's all in that uh, that vein. That makes sense, Jack. Anything from you, man? Before we move on, no, I thought that was great, Trung. That was that was nice very uh, very high dense. energy. Indeed, <laughs> it's the ba- basement. Trung is back. Is yeah, yeah basement. Trung is back. Well, actually, so you guys were asking me if this was the biggest gaming deal. Uh, Michael Saylor actually has the answer to that. What's the second best? There is no second best. There's no second best crypto asset. <laughs> this is the biggest gaming deal, boys. There is no is second bigger gaming time. deal. You're having the best time with that stream deck. Oh my god. All right. So all right, so Microsoft entered. They've they've taken a huge leap there. Now staying on a the theme with big tech, Google and Facebook, allegedly I have to say allegedly, so no one's come knocking on our door. Um <laughs> Yeah, well, let's break this down. There's some, they've apparently been rigging ads ad somehow. Yo, Bilal course, can't even say the word he used. To, people, <laughs> Bilal, yo, Jack, you saw that, right? Okay, yeah, Bilal, yeah. I don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I can't so, believe. For the listeners, 
Jack and I just witnessed Bilal Zaidi try to read a headline. Listen, I'm just going to read the headline. God. It's literally Facebook and Google rigged ad. Market. I thought it sounded like it's, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. There, really. yes. <laughs> Bilal literally, like, he, he's been programmed. Bilal's a former Google employee. Like, Bilal, how long did you work compute. at Google? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, how long did you work there? I was there uh, seven, almost seven and a half years. So he literally could not even say the words rigged the ad market. Like, it could <laughs> not come out of his vocal cords. So I'm going to tell you the news story. Bilal, you can defend your former. Go. Not that that's your stick. No, no, no. Go for it. So in 2018, there was a a project called Jedi Blue. And effectively what it was is that Google agreed to help Facebook on, it sounds like Bilal said, on the display ads on its platform. Yeah, because they said, they they mentioned publishers and there's no publishers really on Google search. The search partners are, but I'm assuming it's to do with like double click or something like that. Yeah. So apparently, uh, we're going to have Bilal unpack this because he still is the expert, even though he can't say certain words like rigging the ad market. Uh, so, so Facebook obviously is encroaching. Um, and they're the two biggest ad players, digital ad players, right? They own 55% of the market uh, for digital ads. Amazon and Alibaba are getting up there. Amazon is actually getting up there really fast. But uh, Google and Facebook are a duopoly in digital ads. In 2018, Facebook was going to get into something called uh, headline bidding. Anyways, Bilal will explain what that is. Headliner bidding. I don't know. It It sounds like some type of programmatic ad program that would have encroached or threatened Google's business. So Google did three things. They went to Facebook and said, okay, we are going to give you preferential treatment on ads, uh, on the the, premium ads. We'll give you good pricing on ads. And we're even going to let you use some special tools we have or like a Google managed system to run your ad campaigns and we'll block out uh, uh, competitors or third parties. All you have to do in agreement is not do this crazy, like headliner bidding thing that you're talking about. Right. It's like, we'll do right by you. You do right by us. And where this, so this story has been floating around in October, 2020, the 14 States attorney generals filed a lawsuit against uh, Google for antitrust behavior around this. They rigged the ad market to benefit Facebook in exchange, Facebook wouldn't screw them over with this new ad product. And apparently, allegedly a Sundar Bachai and Mark Zuckerberg exchanged emails agreeing to the program. So this is all the allegations. So Bilal Zaidi- So it sounds, but Trunk, it sounds like from what I read, something obviously was, there was an agreement in place, but they're arguing it's not illegal, I guess. Okay. Okay. That's what I understood, but again, I'm not, Sure. This is also after I left, so I would have I didn't hear anything internally or anything. Um, would yeah, any on, of that? On. I mean, from your understanding, obviously nothing. Uh, everything above board here. Everything material and everything public. It's already public information. So when you heard all this information, have there been rumblings when you worked there of these type of ad deals with Facebook to block a competitor? Not block a competitors, but like you. Okay, hello. What is your when you worked at Google? How do you guys view Facebook? Let me just get to the... Yeah, well, it changed. Uh, I I always... So I remember in January 2010, in my Noogler week, which is like your training week, which I hate that word, but that's what it's called. I remember asking a question on Facebook and in like a training, and they were like, oh, we're not worried. Like Bing Bing is a bigger competitor than than, uh, Facebook. Which is, if you think about it at the time, if you look at the numbers, if you think about 1% of of search ad share going to Bing made a huge difference. Obviously, you know, 
there's more came down the line with Facebook. So anyway, that was kind of, in my opinion, this is my opinion, not anyone there. I thought it was a little arrogant, right? Like I'm like, clearly you can see it or just out of touch, whatever you want to call it. And over time, clearly like that became more of a thing. I remember, you know, people asking like Eric Schmidt and like C-level people in those all hands. And it felt like over time they would accept that, yeah, they're obviously a competitor, but they would, it felt always that they always wanted to make it like they weren't the thing we're thinking about. And maybe they weren't, right? Like, you know, a lot of those people at that level are saying, well, we obviously need to know what's going on on the side, competitors, but we're the leader. We're going to like lead the way here. We're going to do what we need to do independently, etc." But obviously over time, and again, this is just my experience. I worked in the ads team. So I started hearing like, oh, X big brand did this, you know, upfront deal with Facebook, you know, in the tens of millions of dollars or whatever. And they won that against Google directly, stuff like that. So obviously that happens at that scale. And then I'm sure there's other times where Google won it as well. But that was the level where I was like, okay, these guys know what they're doing. And then when I actually outside of work started learning about Facebook ads, I was like, oh, this is why they're doing great because the ads are really, really good. And the level of targeting everything's really, really good. So that's kind of my perception of it and how it changed. <laughs> As it relates to doing anything wrong, genuinely, I never ever saw anything that would make me think that, obviously. And also if they did, it seems like the stupidest thing to do because there would it's like suicide. So I don't know, you know, on the ad exchange side, you know, there's basically there's Google ads, there's like four or five big segments. Where I would work across all of them, but there were specialist teams for what was what became double click. It was part of the acquisition. Google bought this company called Double Click. Think of like the main thing, they had lots of products, but the main one was like the double click ad exchange. Think of that like a marketplace or stock market for buying and selling ads. So you've got publishers on one side and advertisers on the other. That is where I assume this is where something happened. And the phrase you mentioned before, I think you said headline bidding or something like that. Yeah. Or, or like header bidding. <laughs> I think that's like on certain pages. If you think New York Times, I don't know if this is what they're referring to. This is the only thing I could think it is. There's like the prime real estate at the top of like, right. you know, New York Times, like on YouTube, they have the masthead, right? Uh, like right at the top, the homepage uh, yeah, takeover. Yeah. You buy that on a per day basis. You just say, I'm, I own it for the whole day. It's a bigger uh, audience than the Super Bowl or something like that. How much is that? Um, I forgot off the top of my head. It's probably five, six hundred grand last time I remember, but it depends So if by NIA was going to do the YouTube uh, We could takeover. probably do it in like the Netherlands or something like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's such a good point. You can sell that per day for every country, right? That's or like, it, uh, exactly. Oh, dude. So, the, and the way that works uh, is it's bought on a what's called reserve basis not auction right so the the rest of the ads are run on an auction i bid and i set my bids etc and the, the system optimizes and on this side it's more like i want to buy a front page the same way you'd buy a new york times or whatever so i'm assuming what they're talking about here is something to do with the auction because okay there's a thing here where the second bid like the the rule is the person who comes in second Let's say there's an impression, we're all bidding for this ad impression. One person wins, there's a second person, they're only supposed to pay like um, like one cent above the minimum amount, basically. 
Um, so I, I might not be explaining that completely correctly, but you that's know, called a they, Dutch auction, right? That's exactly, called a Dutch yeah, auction. Yeah, it's like a minimal. Yeah. yeah, they're not supposed to overcharge you. Essentially, not supposed to make your artificially make your bids higher. Which in this case, I think that's what they're kind of accusing them of and pocketing the middle uh, amount. So, yeah, that's kind of how I how I understood it. Thank you, Bilal. Thank you. That was a, I know that's a touchy issue and uh, we appreciate Jack and I appreciate and the listeners appreciate the honesty. Last question I'm going to throw out there. I'm prosecutor hat on right now. No, I'm joking. What I was going to ask is this, uh, do you, do you remember the charts? I know that you, we share some charts amongst us. It's what is it? Hungary is a pretty big listener of NIA. Can oh, we just yeah. buy, can we just buy the YouTube takeover for Hungary to our Hungary? For sure Hungarian listeners, pretty, maybe we should start a a crowdfund DAO for that, <laughs> yeah. and NIA DAO to buy it in like the most obscure place that is like number one NIA in the charts. Yeah, that would be great. All right, anything else on the Google stuff, boys? I mean, I, I mean, honestly, the summary for me is who knows? It's alleged. The, the, my impression when I first read it was. I used to read stuff like this every month. Like there was a new thing, we're getting sued for this, they're getting sued for that. And until something's actually proven, you're like, okay, let's see. I also, on the on the flip side, I don't expect any company is like completely innocent, right? Like I'm sure there's stuff that's going on that's a little shady at times. Uh, so I, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. And it probably would be more the interpretation of the law. And right. that, you know, complicated thing in court, like, was this illegal or not or not legal? That That's kind of how I feel like a lot of companies would get in trouble for something like that. I just love hearing your Google stories, man. Like, I, I wanted to ask you about these all hands. Like, I mean, dude, so, so like, were you when, when it, sorry, but, but let's just ask a couple no, more questions. No, that's cool, go for it. So these all hands, were you doing them remote? Because you're in New York, right? They're happening on the West Coast. Yeah. Did you ever go to all hands in person? I did, yeah, in Mountain How View. was that? amazing it was i actually thought without just drinking the kool-aid like it's really cool that every week you get to speak like hear the founder speak and like every third it used to be fridays it became uh, thursday nights because people got older and had families and stuff um but they would have like beer pizza or whatever and then the founders would come and answer questions there was like an open dory like which is like question and answers where people could vote up and down so they would have to answer the top Oh, amazing. Question. So it was about like transparency. And they used to share so much like early on, they used to just share everything openly. And then I think over time, like that became really hard because people would leak it to the press. Yeah. And and every week they would bring in like a different product team and they would say, here's what's going on in Maps. Here's what's going on Android. Here's what's happening in YouTube. And um, so, yeah, you could listen to them remotely. They would send like an email with the video and stuff, which was... Honestly, I thought it was one of the biggest perks. Like a lot of people didn't even listen to them, but you're getting access to like some of the greatest business and oh, product minds of all time. Incredible. And, and you're getting to hear like their unfiltered thoughts on how they think about taking Android to the whole world. Like when I started, it was like 4% market share. It went to 80. And I remember like reading every week, like how are they doing it? Are they creating partnerships here? What's happening in Latin America? Like all that stuff. And you learn a lot from that. So I would say that was really cool. Um, and then in person, they would also do like where the founders or like Eric Schmidt or someone would, you know, come to the New York office, like New York, obviously they come there quite often. So, um, they would do it well, in person. We know that well. Eric Schmidt's got a, a special he's got, condo in New York. Penthouse, if, yeah. uh, yeah, people aren't familiar with Eric Schmidt penthouse, just Google Eric Schmidt penthouse, 
soundproof. Yes, soundproof. Private elevator. Private elevator. Kind of out in the open, so this is not saying anything crazy. Yeah, this is like, not a. Uh, it's would, a very open marriage. I've probably seen him. I mean, his office was right near where I used to sit in Chelsea Market, and it on was more black than five tinted. Occasions, it was tinted I saw black. Him walking around. <laughs> looking like a g so <laughs> anyone seen him in the office you know what i mean but yeah so anyway um yeah so that's it on google anything else boys on google and facebook no that's man we can talk about eric schmidt walking by your office all all day man we slinging yeah so all right so we got um brands big brands entering web3 so i'm just going to call out a few we don't have to go for every single story but walmart just announced they're doing something which is hilarious Gap, there was something about a hoodie that you could get like a physical one um, and like, you know, something in the digital realm. My favorite one, Fendi is working with Ledger, you know, like the, I think I've got it on my desk, the uh, the crypto like hard wallet or cold wallet, whatever you call it. They've made like a Fendi version of that, which I thought was absolutely hilarious because like who wants, it looks like a little mini handbag for your Ledger. And uh, let me see if I can pull up a picture of this. Um, let me share my screen real quick. All right, let me just share this. Can you guys see my screen here? Look at this cute little, <laughs> can you see that little handbag looking thing? So apparently that's going on your handbag. Like why, why the hell would you have that? I don't know. You're supposed to put that under the ground or in a safe or put it in your bank or whatever you're doing. So uh, I don't know what they're doing here. But I guess the point here is every week we're hearing new examples of big brands entering the metaverse, entering Web3. And I want to open up the discussion around what you guys think about it, especially from Jack, given that your background is in creative and advertising. Um, yeah, I mean, anything stand out to you, Jack, looking at all these examples so far? I think we, we talked about it maybe four or five episodes ago when we like the meme, the metaverse as a meme that has like entered the mainstream to the point where CNBC has got like two segments a day on the metaverse. Right. And I think there is like a, there's like almost a fiduciary responsibility for some of these brands to explore a, like what it means for them to participate in that market or like, you know, as a good parallel is like when social media was becoming a thing or when the internet was becoming a thing and people were like, Oh, do we need a website or do we need to yeah. like have a social media presence? Like a lot of these brands, like, do we need to have a metaverse presence, whatever that. And I think to different people, that means different things. Like the Walmart video of like someone in a, in a, like walking around a Walmart store, like picking stuff up off a fake shelf and putting it in Terrible. a car is just like, I mean, I find it really hard to believe that that is going to be a behavior adopted by people because it's actually going to slow down how much money Walmart makes selling their stuff on the internet. Yeah. And I think that's what wins out in the end is like Amazon's, um, the, the web design of an Amazon page is like the highest converting thing on the planet. And it's that like, it is objectively like, a ugly 2d experience and that is like taking like commerce Very to its most efficient experience yeah and it's <laughs> and and like these these businesses like you're not real like one you we talked about this in the context of facebook but walmart is even crazier like thinking you have like the like the internal 
talent to pivot to like a game experience or to design some like immersive experience. It just feels like totally off. But some of it is like there are literal keywords being listened to by bots that like bid up share prices based on the fact that Walmart was in the same sentence as metaverse, right? Like yeah. some of it is like you have to participate in the meme just to like, so your shareholders like it's keep earnings it. transcript that you talked about, right? Like the, the, the increase in the word metaverse in earnings transcripts. Exactly. And so some of it is that, and then other like the Fendi thing is kind of a, maybe like a misdirected attempt to like make people who like, you're essentially trying to appeal to a new consumer who is spending crypto, right? They want people to buy Fendi bags with a th like the money that they've made flipping JPEGs or holding on to Ethereum or Bitcoin or whatever else. Like it's not part of Fendi's mission to, um, you know, like crypto is not some thing that they've believed in for a period of time. It's just like a market trend that they're trying to latch onto. And I think a lot of, uh, a lot of these like early executions or proof of concepts literally don't make sense to people who are native. Like the, the Walmart thing makes absolutely no sense. The Fendi thing makes absolutely no sense. And that's the, like, generally speaking, that's the product of like an advertising agency that's been briefed on like, we need to do something on the metaverse guys. And then there's people that aren't in that culture that don't have, have probably never performed a transaction with a ledger in their life designing that thing, right? <laughs> they probably think it's like a USB stick or something. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like a totally, yeah, it's just like a cultural miss. And then there are other brands that probably through partnerships, honestly, get do it right. Like they just mm. go find someone in their organization or partner with someone who is like truly crypto native. And if that, if that person kind of straddles those two worlds, I think fashion is maybe a, Fashion is just like a more tangible, like example, right? Like artifact is a perfect, um, partnership for Nike. They went like big on that, put it next to their three biggest brands. And the, the leap is just not significant. It's like, okay, people like flexing their collection of shoes in real life. That's like analogous to like all of these environments that people are spending time in digitally. So artifact makes sense, like throw in cereal boxes in a in a uh, fake shopping cart <laughs> it's just nuts right? it doesn't Not make any sense yeah. well you were sending us a message we we're laughing so hard like uh somebody posted uh the walmart announcement jack just goes this is like ptsd my agency days <laughs> like this is straight up the agency days yeah, yeah it's just a total miss in a room there <laughs> jack being like oh my god what are they asking me to do right now all the stuff that would get presented like you know there's some like edge case technology and it's like we need to seem like we're up on like we you know we're um paying attention we're a forward-thinking brand so we're going to sink like millions of dollars into this proof of concept that nobody's ever going to use it makes absolutely no sense but like there's almost no accountability to the market in that environment because you're just like spending a marketing budget to explore ideas so in one, in one, on one hand, it's like, yeah, okay. That's, that's cool that people are like thinking about the future of how they'll interact with consumers and blah, blah. But on the other hand, it's like a lot of the time it misses the mark massively because they're so outside of the, um, the culture or the current application of stuff. And, um, 
yeah, I think fashion are the few, like Adidas, we talked about that. It's like one of the reasons they pulled that off and the drop was so successful is because they partner with people that have 400,000 people already listening to them in that space and, or, and attach themselves to projects and people already have skin in the game on et cetera, et cetera. So I think, um, it would, it's only just beginning. I think in most cases, like the, the, the most elegant ways in will just be partnerships, like complementary partnerships rather than these brands trying to define what this thing is going to be. Um, and then outside of that, I think the bigger question or the bigger, uh, yeah, I guess a bigger question is, is this just like a new medium for people to experience or are you embracing the other facets of it, which are like internet native money and markets and all like, I doubt the Walmart experience. You're not checking out with Ethereum in that world, right? It's basically a, a simulation where you pay your bill in the same way. It just takes you three hours to do your shopping instead of <laughs> three and a half minutes. No, I, yeah. I, I really love your first point, Jack is like, this first reimagining of the experience, which already, I mean, it just objectively looks awful, right? You're shopping virtually. It's just also the internet commerce experience has been perfected. We're not beating clicking on items and checking out. I'm sorry. Like this is the end of it, right? Like we've reached the end of the history when it comes to internet commerce. I mean, even Amazon tried to do one step more, right? They tried the adapt button where like, if you run out, you press it. Like you ran out of like toothpaste, you'd press it, but yeah, that didn't yeah. even work. Like they tried to go one step further than like how they'd already perfected it. And everybody's like, no, no, we're, we're good with what, whatever you've one done, Amazon. Purchase. Yeah. That's as good as it's getting. One click is as good as e-commerce is getting. Yeah. I think that changes if you're talking about that changes, if you're talking about goods in the con in the context of the metaverse as well. Right. Like if you're shopping for, let's say there is some Gucci um, emporium for your avatar. It makes sense that so you would log into that as you know, whatever your avatar is in whatever environment, go around and buy that stuff. But to try and layer that on top of something that already accomplishes the thing, like shopping for cereal that you're going to eat at your kitchen table in a freaking VR headset is like, you have to imagine like the thing that has informed most of these, uh, most of these outcomes is like path of least resistance for the consumer. Like how do I get it as fast as possible? Yeah. And One like click. introducing anything between that is like not going to make it move essentially, unless yeah, you're no. talking about entertainment, gaming, things that are completely different. You're entering a completely different headspace as a like participant in that than you would be to go and do your grocery shopping. Yeah. And I think it screamed to me like, what a lot of people do is they take what happens in the real world and they just one for one make a digital version of it instead of saying you know it's kind of like that um meeting example we talked about like you go in the meeting and there's a whiteboard and everyone's sitting around the table and it's like okay if you're gonna go to do all this vr stuff you might as well throw us throw some dragons in there you know like let us get wild a little bit so um i, I found the same thing and then one thing you said earlier kind of really stuck out to me which is this is not just about metaverse. It's not about Web3. It's a bigger thing that as new trends come into play, 
this is always a thing. A big company will hear the buzzword and rightly so, like they dedicate some resources to it. And we've all been in those situations where we either get an email or we're watching what's happening and we're like, oh God, this is going the wrong way. Or you're like, so I mean, I'll give an example. At, at Charity War, they were, they, we had a culture of trying new stuff. And I think that was a good thing. And it was okay if we tried it, it didn't work, right? But I think a lot of the times, uh, but you kind of can do it for stuff like a brand partnership. If if mm. you do a brand partnership and you do, we did one with Away and it looks cool, we did another one with J. Crew and we're like, oh, we could have done it differently. I'm just making these up. That's fine. But when it's like, oh, okay, we did a, a million dollar water project in Senegal and we messed that up, that's not something you can yeah. like, just fail at. Like, I remember that's not an experiment, right? You're not feeling mm-hmm. fast. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's not an app that you can go and fix the code and be like, oh, now we push it out to everyone with an update. This is like a different sort of thing. But when it comes to like new stuff, like whether it was social media, like you said, e-commerce for a lot of people, um, there's like a spectrum. There's the internet guy, the CMO who doesn't believe in internet in 2022, <laughs> right? And then there's all the way to the other side, which is every shiny object we're gonna jump on. We're launching a DAO for our brand when it makes right, absolutely right. no sense. Right. Oh, we've got a Discord and now we've got 100,000 people complaining about flights because we didn't think this through. Right. You know, like <laughs> Wait, did that happen? No, no, did I that made that up. Oh my up, God, that's that funny though. example, yeah. Yeah, if United Airlines, like, yo, we spun up a Discord. <laughs> and, oh my God, could you imagine? Imagine. We're gonna fly in the metaverse. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. Instead, we're like, no, no, we're already flying through the sky. It's already pretty yeah. magical. Let's just stick to that. But anyway, <laughs> so that's kind of, and all I'd say is just like from seeing it happen, I think there's like a balance. Like you need to allow for it not being completely great the first time around. So like hats off for people trying. I like always think it's yeah. a good thing. But at the same time, like if you're gonna do this, if you're an executive or someone working on this right now. Like just spend the time, especially with this, spend time with people in the space, understand what's going on. Because like, this is not like you, the other example I think of is like social impact, right? When I was at Charitable, we did all these collaboration with brands and there was very quickly within five minutes, you know why they're doing it. Are they just trying to get reach on social because we got a million followers or are they doing it just because they like want to create a product that's going to sell more? And then you get like the Pepsi, Kendall Jenner, or whatever it was, example, or whoever it was, one of the Jenner. Yeah, that was it. Kardashians, right? Oh, and yeah. that one was so cringe because you could <laughs> see they're like, cause marketing. I read this in a HB, a Harvard Business Review. Insane how that got to a TV. Exactly. Oh exactly. Unbelievable. So that's what you're trying to avoid here. And I mean, we're seeing examples of it now already. Like, so uh, I think we're going to see more. We'll probably cover a few of them on the show as well. Um, anything else on that, boys? I mean, I think that was a good discussion. Anything else? Were you guys going to talk I... about MasterCard for Jack? Oh, yeah, yeah, we should. But I was just going to say, like, a lot of it comes down to, I think the charity water example is great because it's like, I wouldn't say it's a lifestyle brand per se, but it's a brand that people have an emotional connection with beyond like I'm going here to get sustenance or I need like a new spade. So I'm going to Walmart, like know what you like. I I think it just kind of, it just broadcasts like a complete misunderstanding of your relationship with your customers. Like Costco is not messing about with that. Right. They're like, we're not going to waste any time even thinking about this we're just gonna essentially drive more you know take a take two cents off the price of the hot dog or do whatever it is that makes sense in the context of who costco are so i think a lot of it comes down to like understanding like what 
relationship you have built up with the people that consume your stuff. And it like, because web three and the metaverse is such a, like, there's a community built around it. If you do it wrong, there's like a price to pay, right? Cause there's so many people talking about it. Whereas months ago you do something or years ago, you do something wrong and it just, nobody talks about it, it but now it's out. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now get it gets amplified oblivion. Yeah. Exactly. Which maybe you could argue no such thing as bad press, but I don't think anybody who worked on that at Walmart is like, yeah, that was brilliant at this. That's yeah. At this point, cause it just got torn to shreds. <laughs> I'm stopping. But, myself but now they're, now they're in the God. mix, right? Like, uh, they're in the metaverse mix. You can't leave them out of the conversation now. That's true. They're in the earnings call. They're in the earnings call. <laughs> All right. So the other one that Trung just mentioned there is Coinbase and MasterCard. So I didn't read this properly, but I think they just announced they're launching NFTs on Coinbase powered by MasterCard. Is that right? I don't know. I don't actually know because a Coinbase NFT platform, as far as I understand, doesn't exist yet. So I think they just announced a partnership with MasterCard that is going to enable people to check out with a credit card on their NFT platform, which currently on OpenSea or anything but um, like a handful of really niche NFT platforms um, is not possible. And if Coinbase NFT is going to be like market wide and it brings in like money from people who don't have, um, you know, crypto wallets in a traditional sense, maybe through, I guess if you're accessing it through Coinbase, you likely do have or have access to um, a crypto wallet. But yeah, here you go. Economic yeah, freedom. Yeah, I've got this up here. So for people watching, not listening, the headline on Coinbase's blog is Coinbase and MasterCard partner to revolutionize NFT purchase experience. So what that means mm. is I think you're going to be able to pay by credit cards is kind of yeah it's literally just like you can pay with your credit card which is which exists headline which exists already and then trung the question i had for you is like the if the traditional um fee structure applies to credit cards here this is like open seas done three and a half or four billion dollars of uh volume in the last 20 days so if coinbase can capture any reasonable percentage of that mastercard is going to make a nice uh rate well let's let's back the envelope and let's do some awful math let's say coinbase does what OpenSea did last year 14 billion okay so they'll do 14 billion in uh, transactions so and then coinbase is going to take a fee on that transaction right and then and on top you have the mastercard fee <laughs> is yeah, that is that is, about right but i, I would assume so that, i would equate that though to keep it fair the OpenSea 2.5% slash looks percent nowadays is what Coinbase will probably be competing with. And then the 3% MasterCard fee is the equivalent, I guess, of ETH gas fees. Oh, yeah, you're like right. It's just, it's and the it's the simplicity of, of doing it, right? You're, and I the people so. that would never not... Well, how many people would not use uh, OpenSea like but because of MasterCard, right? I think that's a calculation, I think it's right? going to open up to a lot more people. Plus, they've got however many million people with with the app on their phone, with their credit card already set up, their bank account set up. So 140, we're talking about two, 300 million in revenue on fees. See, this like is that really math. bad math. I like that. Really right. bad math. However, I think the bigger part is MasterCard gets in the mix, right? I think they have another number of other crypto partnerships because they, they see what's coming, man. They, they know they got to get in the mix. And uh, you know what this reminds me of, actually, is um, Costco, uh, for years or for decades, they have exclusive credit card deals, right? It's like, you can only use Amex at, at Costco, or you can only use MasterCard at Costco. 
uh, these type of deals, I mean, they benefit, they benefit both parties. Uh, it makes a lot of sense actually. Well, his, yeah. I'm going to give a shout out to, uh, Sclafani.eth who responded to a tweet I wrote about this earlier, who said, this is so huge for the space. MasterCard will regret this. They are signing their own death certificate. And someone responded to, That's to them and said, elaborate, please. And they said, by pulling more mainstream users into a decentralized economy, traditional finance conglomerates are undermining their stranglehold and paving the way to their obsolescence. <laughs> that is a great use of the word obsolescence. That's Yo, heat right there. That's heat. That's heat right. That's better than anything that that did. Final word. That's a final word on this one. That was good. That was good. All no, right. Dude, so out. yeah, they're, they're, it's the gateway drug. Mastercard is the gateway drug to MetaMask and uh, looks rare. It sounds like so. All right. <laughs> all right. So we got uh, a couple more to rattle off here. June Dow. Hold on, this before we do Dune Dow, can you guys give us a looks rare update? Because we talked about it last week. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, hearing. yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So still going. I'm just, I got it actually pulled up right here. One of my tabs. It's returning 710% APR for your staked <laughs> looks right now. Oh, my God. So it's been working. Um, the, the airdrop, I staked the airdrop. I bought a little bit more and... Uh, made a little profit in the last seven, eight days it's been up. And the team has been shipping updates on Twitter, uh, which is, I think, helping continue the momentum where like they rolled out without the full set of features that OpenSea has. And they're so this, like, yeah, really- So this, yeah, don't know, this was a competitor to OpenSea if they didn't hear the last episode. Yeah, yeah, good, rare. good And they context. did an airdrop for everyone. And me and you picked it up and you can stake it and earn this APY or whatever it was. And since then, you bought a little bit more, you said, right? Yeah, I, I think we, uh, I can't remember the name of the due diligence that we referenced in the oh, last episode. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. it was uh, it was Moon Cat 6439. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so based Sounds on Cat's analysis, uh, we went we went a little harder on and bought some um, at market as well. And It looks uh, like it was correct. <laughs> so far, it's holding up. But the uh, the great thing about the story so far is they've been, you know, truly building out loud, taking requests from people that are using it. They've got some good, um, like people with good distribution that got in, uh, either advised them on the creation of it and obviously got allocation early and are up an obscene Central amount. Centralized. Centralized. Indeed. indeed. <laughs> and then uh, some people that got, you know, airdrops and essentially free money. Uh, and, and I think that's uh it's kind of a ridiculous marketing hack, right? Is being able to do like, they've been calling it the web three stimulus checks, which oh uh, there's yeah, like a political, that. there's a political outcome mm. of delivering a lot of free money to people that have networks <laughs> that are already talking to the people that they need to onboard. And you have like the, what is it? Base camp, the pick an enemy. So they've got like this, yeah. uh, this great. Oh yeah. Yeah. Marketing Basecamp potential. Apple. Yeah where they say, you know, we're the alternative to OpenSea, the, the the users own the platform and everyone's making money every day from supporting this thing so far. I imagine the bigger it gets, the, the, the you know, that yield decreases just with scale, but um, the people that are supporting it earlier are making some money now, you know, or not investment advice, et cetera, et cetera. And it could all go to zero by the end of this podcast. But, uh, <laughs> But so Wait, far, so good. Second. What do you guys think the second best NFT platform is? Hold on, I think I have the answer. <laughs> there is no second best. There is no second best crypto. Trung. 
Trung is having the time of his life there. He's only got one preset installed. That's our so. thumbnail right there, by the way. Trung the L looking dude. like he's just dude, had the imagine time that. Of his life. Elgato Stream Deck. I should create a YouTube video. Like, this is the best functionality you can have for Elgato Stream Deck. And, and just like, so people know, we're not even using it properly. Like, it's supposed to play in the sound of the Zoom. Yeah. And <laughs> we're just doing the OG uh, ghetto version, play the speaker into the into the recorder. But anyway. Looks rare. So so to summarize, people making money, not investment advice. By the time this podcast goes out, it could be zero. But as of right now, people are making money. Is this correct? Yeah, I think if you're interested in it, what I would do is go follow them on Twitter and just see how they're building the thing out loud. And okay. uh, we'll find Mooncat's analysis and we'll drop that in the Telegram and you can make up your own mind. Um, yeah, I will yeah, say, it's, uh, pretty just- fascinating. Having participated in something we've mentioned a little bit before, Olympus Dow, uh, Wonderland, like I forgot other one. Constitution Dow, dude, you've been in a lot of things, man. But what I was going to say is, um, like obviously the big risk here is the value of your token. Let's say you put $1,000, that $1,000 principle basically going down 90%, which is what's happened honestly to my Olympus Dow test that I did it's down like 90% on the principal. I, I haven't I haven't fully worked out with the interest I've earned, basically, or the, the staking rewards, whatever you want to call it. But it, it's quite an interesting thing to play around with. Just obviously proceed with caution because it's still very, very new. I, w- I was also going to bring up, we'd, we weren't going to do a whole segment on this, but Professor Galloway just did a, a breakdown of, uh, in his in his newsletter, No Mercy, no, is it No Mercy, No Malice? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and he did a kind of, almost like a summary of our, what we covered in one of the recent episodes, what Jack Dorsey and Moxie had said, kind of like the the negative parts of Web3 or, you know, the kind of uh, other side to it. And he mentioned our boy Packy from Not Boring and Packy did a great kind of rebuttal pretending MF to be the debate back. score. It was hilarious. Clap back, son. Clap back. It was bad. Don't he debate a debater. Soundtrack. He even Bro, played. don't debate a debater. It literally. Um, but I was going to say that was one of the examples that stood out to me because often OpenSea is an example used of how it's a centralized, you know, a lot of like the NFT world what is centralized. Three, yeah. And you know, obviously OpenSea is the dominant platform. You could also argue that's just how markets work. There's going to be a dominant player. But the example of Looks Rare is a very unique one, which I, I can't really think of anything else similar to this, where they literally just took the publicly available, you know, Ethereum wallets and put it over to a new platform, created a new incentive structure, incentivized people, and within a short period of time, got people over. Now, if that's going to last, who knows? But that is something you can't do that to, you know, uh, even a Coinbase really, because the way that Coinbase is set up, we don't have, we don't know. Oh, actually, maybe maybe you can do that. Maybe it's not a good example. You can't do that with Facebook, let's say. You can't do that with another centralized entity. So I think even, the, the yeah. NFTs being the primitive is one of the one of the things that makes it uh, doable, right? It's like Coinbase is like you have to. I would imagine you have to have permission from like for listing those assets and like doing all that stuff above board versus this is like forking this like permissionless market and just building a new interface on top of it. And there's so much liquidity there or so much like the network effect exists and you have Twitter supporting it as well. So it's, it's pretty fascinating. And like, I, I did not participate in as many, uh, 
uh, as many plays as D Lau, which we've been uh, affectionately referring to Bilal as hey, in the group D chat. Lau, that's hilarious. <laughs> D Defy D Lau. Uh, yeah, but but oh, like, some Lau of those Lau things Lau are like now, but yeah. <laughs> some some of those things are like you have to read a white paper which goes into like the laws of physics to talk about like where the APY is coming from versus this. It's like oh, I get it. There's trading volume on this platform and the fee that OpenSea would have taken is getting kicked back to the people that are, are yeah, staking the great way asset. To put it. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Like you can just see quite easily the logic, like where the money's coming from. Whereas a lot of those other kind of what are called DeFi 2.0 platforms, honestly, like the reason I we talked about this on the show, I didn't want to shield them because basically I was like, I don't know if this isn't just an elaborate Ponzi scheme. So like I was trying to, the only way I get to learn about it is putting some money or losing some money in it. So that's kind of what we've what we've done for now. Anyway, um, anything else on that, boys, before we move on to June Dow? Which no, was that was an amazing update. Yeah, I love that. All right, so June Dow, Trung, you shared this in either Telegram or group chat. So what is this? Um, you just said, I had in my notes here, June Dow in brackets insanity, which sounds yeah. like Trung wrote. This sounds like I copied and pasted You know what? This is there. a good segue because... Uh, you were talking about Dalal Zaidi, uh, DeFi Dalal, like trying out all these different things. So, so Bilal, the three of us, is the only one that contributed to Constitution Dow. That's just to be, just to clarify here. Oh yeah, he's the experimental one. Jack has retired, sold his board apes, all in the fiat world now. <laughs> Bilal <Bullhouse>. is, <laughs> yeah. This I'm time next here. year, Bilal will be buying a house from his uh, looks rare uh, conference. <laughs> But uh, so actually the Dow isn't called uh, Dune Dow. It's called Spice Dow. There's a famous line in the book, uh, Dune, uh, the series. Uh, it's uh, whoever controls the spice controls the universe. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember. Remember when Elon wrote, whoever controls the memes controls the universe. Mm -hmm. He mm -hmm. was referencing Dune. So that's where spice comes from. There's spice in the whole Dune series is uh, kind of a, this important primitive. But anyways, a group of individuals, uh, they call themselves Spice Dow. The Twitter handle is at the Spice Dow. They basically did a version, yes, of the Constitution Dow, where they got a, a number of internet users together to purchase a block. Could you click on that again, the book? So they, this book went on to auction, this version of Dune. It was on auction for, I believe, $20,000 or 20,000 pounds. Let's just go dollars. It'll cost $30,000. The winning bid <laughs> was $3 million. And it turns out the Spice Dow thought they were getting the IP for Dune. <laughs> they thought oh my God. because in the announcement oh, of winning, man. so in the announcement of winning the bid, they said our mission is to produce an original animated series of Dune and support derivative products for the community. <laughs> they thought Who got that they... wrong? How can you get that wrong? Where, where was it even sold? Uh, it was sold at a, uh, like a real auction. It was sold at uh, Christie's. Sounds it was like literally to read the auction page. Yeah, it literally, <laughs> yeah. it was literally just like this special physical pin of the book, and the spice now it looks like believe they were getting the intellectual property for That's Dune. a big miss. That's a big miss. So, oh, uh, actually, oh. so this actually has nothing to do really with DAOs. It was just 
Well, what DAOs did here in this case was it helped raise money quickly in the spirit of like how Constitution DAO like whipped up all this energy. So they might have actually rugged some people, whether or not intentionally, but it looks like here they actually legitimately thought they're getting the IP. They, they wrapped a DAO around it to make it appealing. Uh, and uh, they probably raised more money as Spice DAO than as Spice GoFundMe, as we've discussed in the past. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, so in summary, they did not get the IP <laughs> to Dune. They will not be making an animated series, from what I understand. If they are, it, has, it will not be you know, legitimized by the Dune IP owners. I just thought that was funny. And uh, a case totally of Dallas gone wrong. Yeah, just like, yeah. that's just... Add, add it to the list, man. There's been a few of those. Yeah, there's been a yeah. few, right? Yeah, 2.6 uh, million. It. Like, it would sound outrageous as well. Like, a few, maybe a few months ago. But at this point, it's like doesn't even sound that nuts yeah, like yeah these yeah. things that's true. these like these projects run up seven eight figures of liquidity in 30 minutes and have not oh, like they can even raise a book that in supporting seconds, them right yeah 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 fair enough crazy. fair enough right, was just, no i mean no i'm not i'm not saying it's not crazy i'm just saying it's like people will believe like the like the amount of due diligence that's going into this stuff is you know it's like almost negative due diligence. Like, I don't want to know. I've just <laughs> yeah <laughs> clicking the button. It's crazy. Make me actively dumber before I... <laughs> let me hit myself in the head with a book before I... Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I right. wonder if they did the Constitution DAO LLC and all of that. Like, the, I think you have to mm. go through a reasonable amount of, like... Like, the amount of effort you would have to go th through to get Christie's to accept a bid in crypto is so significant. I would oh, think yeah. you would understand what you're bidding on. That's kind of a crazy yeah, that's, that's paradox huge. that came off. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jack, staying with you, mate, because you've been talking a lot about the lava lads and um, <laughs> this has come up in Telegram. We actually got a few people asking us to talk about it. So first of all, I think we, we might have mentioned lava lads before at some point, I feel like, but for people who haven't heard about it before, what is what are they what's lava lads and uh what's going on in that world so if you remember the um if you remember the the breakdown of cryptodes back in the day do you remember the uh like the cco, CCO meme yeah. like the cco was like open copyright like people could use it and remix it or whatever yeah the meme being like how fast it travels through the internet and the types of people that like supported it originally and this lava lads thing is a derivative i can't pull it up my my screen share is busted here but if you just put lava lads open c on below yeah if you're able to so we talked about crypto punks versus crypto funks which is that like big ip um that debate around IP because the punks, um, the original project is protected by IP and those founders have hired like CAA to make sure that the IP gets used in certain ways versus the funks, which is a, like an art derivative that flips it horizontally to make a statement, right? And these guys, well, it's actually one dude. And what does it say at the top? Lantern Mills, this guy. That's his Twitter profile. It's like an X. I think he's like a Snapchat, like working Snapchat and Sony. And these are like uh, visual derivatives of CryptoPunks, right? Like they have the the same characteristics on top, but then they got like a little worm tail. They're like little slugs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Wait, are they part- getting in, are they getting in trouble for this one? No, no. Because it's because it's a like a visual, I think it's enough of a derivative. And this is like something that we should cover on another podcast, but there is like there is this like really odd um well not odd, as this is this really intricate debate about how many changes you have to make to something before it's net new IP or before you're, you know, and originally like when I went to school, it was like, you have to make three material changes to an image. What's material? Please walk us through that. So you would have to like change the color, like, um, I don't know, remove an element or add an element. And, uh, yeah, it's really like up to the person interpreting it, honestly. And it's like kind of a strange, um, right area strange process to go through but obviously art over the years has has been like derivatives of things that exist are essentially what art is right it's a very like difficult like thing to create something net new and like mm-hmm. look at like a warhol campbell's soup like there's so many pop culture symbols that have been co-opted by artists and become a thing um Anyway, I mean, there's not a huge amount of analysis to be done on this other than it's funny as hell because they're like little uh, slug worm things and you go into the Discord and see the rate at which people are producing memes for this thing. And that's like the new... Uh, that's a that's metric? Like my, my new barometer for judging whether or not these things like have like velocity is like how lo- how how easy is it for people to create derivative work and how like yeah. funny it is and how excited people get about doing it. And, um, yeah, I think this is a good one. And also, uh, this, the, the time, well, there's two pieces to this. I think like if, if the art itself like attracts people with a similar like sense of humor, I think there's something really powerful about that as well. Like if it, if the, the art becomes the thing that builds the community or the symbolism is the thing that builds a community, then people are less attached to the price of the asset and they spend way more time working on the narrative versus these things that jump really quickly from news cycles or like media, like, you know, the price rises and people jump in, which I think tends to thin out the like, quality of the material that comes from the community because the entry point actually brings in people that are less likely to work on the meme. Does that make sense? Oh, you wait, are you saying if the price is higher because mm-hmm. of a media pump, you're going to get, you're going to get the futures and M&Ms of the world or like a little bit tiered down participating. Whereas the grassroots participation that gets it up to that level. And if you can get in on that floor is like you're saying the people in the discord making memes, that's who you're hanging out with. Yeah. I would say this is like the value of the value investing equivalent in the NFT world. (laughs) It's like a a bunch of people that are really, really have high conviction on a like meme thesis and just, I just like working on it with There's conviction. barbells in the barbells. Jack Butcher right there. Jack Butcher quote, my barbell investing strategy, there's a barbell within the barbell. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the crazy risky side. So there's Jack's house. Here's the crazy risky side. And within the crazy risky, there's the conservative value investing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's, uh, 
I think it's an interesting one. We'll see how it plays out. Um, like what I wanted to happen with the crypto project, this feels like, I think they honestly held their value from like OG art perspective more than the like so this underground is meme. Said. Yeah. Like, I, like everybody who got into that, I think when we talked about it did all right, but um, they also don't, they haven't had that continued velocity of like, narrative meme they've been like underground building for a while so we'll see where that goes but this is uh i think this is i just think this is funnier honestly that's the that's why i think it might how is be. uh how is uh crypto doing i think I the think floor is about three eth or something yeah around three it went all the way up above 10 at one point down it got to 14 14 <laughs> and i think that's when i got a little greedy i uh, know i do you know what i genuinely did think about selling it after 10 yeah. I think I bought my two and I was like, okay, look, this is 5X, whatever. Like, But then I I'd, I made the amateur mistake of only buying one because I kind mm. of became quite attached to it. <laughs> That's it also the right. I love that. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I made the mistake of only buying one. Bro, you would be saying the opposite. <laughs> no, but I'm I saying the- if you sell that, then you don't have any at all. So that was one of the rules uh, of how done. I made the mistake. I this. made the mistake of buying thirty of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, since then I've only bought a few. I'm, I'm like really amateur with the NFT life, but I, everything else I've just got like six or three. Like I'll buy a few if I'm going to buy them because then if you really like them and it's still running, you kind of want to be in the game, but you, you want to take mm. some chips off the table because I'm used to stocks and like crypto where you can sell 10% and you're like, all right, I've, I've got like my stake out or, you know, so with this, you can't sell, re- I mean, maybe there's actually ways to do fractionalized NFT sales. Fractionalize your toad, man. Fractionalize the toad, yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. you definitely can, right? <laughs> yeah. You can, you but, can, but like you wouldn't retain ownership is, of it then. Yeah, yeah. And, and the liquidity oh, right, right, right. In NFT market is just like very different. So anyway, good learning either way. That at one point I think it was like forty G's or something, and I'm sitting on it like an absolute idiot. But um, <laughs> anyway, so we'll, I, I'm still holding that for now, just to see how sentimental value, Palal. Yeah, yeah, you can't you can't put a value on the learnings from the NF from the emotional learnings. From- Not investment <laughs> advice. Hundred percent, definitely. Uh, what right. those two projects have in common is they promise nothing as well. Mm, yeah, which is an interesting difference to the projects that you see run to insane levels in most cases because they're basically a startup with a roadmap we're going to do this we're going to do this we're going to deliver that in six months yeah and that is like a very very different thing that you're investing in than like i'm betting there's five thousand people in the world that are nuts enough to like this as much as i do (laughs) yep Right, How many we'll of them are listeners to NIA? <laughs> a couple dozen, I think. Like in the Discord, there's a few people who listen to NIA. Oh Definitely. my goodness, that's incredible. Yeah. So shout out to the Lava Lads. I was also going to say, since we're on this topic of NFTs, there was one project you had brought up on here. What was it called again, Jack? The uh, Janky Heist? Janky Heist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it Super Plastic? Is the company? Super Plastic. We did a whole deep dive on it probably last summer. I think July and it, or August and it yeah that was now a in that was January. a fiat on ramp back then like fifty bucks um I think it I think they had like Dutch pricing so it was like fifty seventy five hundred bucks to get in and they just been cooking away they sold out I think in a, like took them a week to sell out back then and um 
They've been cooking away. They've had partnerships with Fortnite. They just did a um, toy partnership with Bored Apes. So they, they're already in the game of making like physical merchandise. They just signed a deal with them. Gucci. They have a couple of um, like the two characters that make up the brand are like digital influencers. I think they're called um, Gujimon and Janky. That might be their yeah, names. Yeah. And they have like 900,000 Instagram followers. Oh, that and they're is, like, yeah. they're like in this hype beast culture, like street where like it, they kind of run, run with some of these top brands already. And they again have a roadmap and they've been talking about what they're releasing for a while, announcing these partnerships and the partnerships have done stuff for the price. I think they've got in a couple of days, they got a uh, profile picture project coming out based on the people who already hold the original NFTs. So you'll be airdropped. Um, you'll be airdropped an NFT, which you, which you combine with one of the ones you bought last year. And that produces a new NFT. And then you can, I think, b burn them together for a new, like, so Let's all of these dynamics, game, man, this is yeah, <laughs> they're all of these dynamics are basically pushing demand for the originals, like crazy as predicted, as predicted yeah, I mean, on NIA, not investment advice. I will say to summarize Jack so far, there's obviously ones that haven't worked out and this is not investment advice. I had those for a little while. I didn't keep them. So I missed out the, the floor on those now, I think is like one ETH. And mm -hmm. I won't say his name in case he doesn't want us to mention him. And uh, if you want yeah, your name to be mentioned, you can mention it in Telegram. There's an NIA listener who had messaged us who'd been holding on like an absolute boss since last summer. And it's, it's been a really good outcome for him. I, I won't say much more than that, but there are people out there that aren't paper hands like me. So uh, well done to you. Um, what I was going to say is, Jack, this one, the Tom Sachs rocket, I think seems to have been a pretty good bet on your part. Obviously, Bored Ape. Um, most of the ones you've mentioned have done pretty well. So I think you've done a pretty good job so far. Um, Tom Sachs has not been that great, honestly. Really? Yeah, I think, I, think, I think it's in profit. But it's uh, it just doesn't it's have seven hundred the... million percent return. Yeah, Jack can buy a house with it, is what he's saying. <laughs> but it's, like it's very like it's very much uh, it's very it's a lot more sophisticated than a worm or a toad, right? It's like uh, people aren't really it's not got the viral effect of some of those other projects. I think that's like you know Tom Sachs is a legit like contemporary yeah, artist artists, in the real world and this well, was yeah. like one of the first ever nft projects that somebody from that world executed on and it was beautifully done so it's a 10 year 20 year like oh you remember when nft like people didn't know what nft was tom Sachs og mm. did this rather than the like mega price action because like mooncat 82 changes his profile picture right <laughs> well jack just i wanted to ask a question since you're talking about it. as someone who, like I'll just say myself, I'm not the best at holding on to stuff. Well, I'm just good at like buying and holding generally. Like mm -hmm. I've done an okay job on other stuff where I can, with crypto, I can sell when I, at a decent amount. But with, with NFTs, I'm still quite inexperienced. So how do you think about the time to sell or to take chips off the table? Because you question. obviously did this now with, you know, you've already said you sold most, if not all your board apes um, and a bunch of others too. So, like, is there a point you're looking out? I know, like, just knowing you, you a lot of this is like feel, and you're mm -hmm. taking in all of these like factors, and you're probably making a decision. But I think you've done a pretty good job of of all this. Thank you. I think some of it is 
some of it is like absorbing some of the lessons of like these anonymous accounts that I read on Twitter or I'm in telegram groups with, there's a great tweet from like three weeks ago where someone said always fade sentiment. My wife just said, um, she's really happy with our marriage. So I asked her for a divorce. Always <laughs> fade. <laughs> but essentially, yeah, I mean, this is like age old investing logic, right? Like sell the, buy, buy the, the rumor, rumor sell the news. Yeah. And I think there's like, to some degree that is like, again, one of the best lines I think that got cited on this podcast was you don't, you don't go broke selling early. Is that right? Uh, you don't, yeah. Uh, yeah, you only get rich selling early, selling early. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is like going through a couple of cycles of this because there have been these really, yeah. really concentrated pumps where you're like, Oh, it's going to go like, like next time is going to be more extreme than this. And then you go through that twice and you're like, you know what? I'll be very, very happy with a 50 X yeah. return on this. I don't need to wait for a hundred, you know, like that's uh, yeah. like, it's kind of the schoolboy era in a couple of instances where you get another chance and like taking the second chance rather than, you know, some of the stuff you see on Twitter where it's like, you know, I just got a 400 grand offer on this asset and I'm eating ramen noodles and I'm in a, you know, I'm in a 200 square foot apartment that I really need to move out of. It's just like, okay, this is this like, is enough. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, this is like it out, nature man. is yeah. coming for you. You know, that's just, <laughs> it just doesn't you work. That you are a goat on the mountain. Yeah, yeah. You are a baby goat. You've lost track of your parents. They're in front of you. Guess what's coming for you? It's an yeah. eagle. And it's not going to be a fair fight. The eagle's dropping you. Gravity's going to win. And then the eagle's going to win. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, to also last week, I think we did meta game. It's like there's a finite amount of attention. There's another thing to think about. Like with his new toy. He's loving it so much. I think it's like, uh, it's a very interesting thing. Like a lot of this is pop culture too, right? So if you think about like the bands you listen to when you're 18, you weren't listening to them when you were 21. Or yeah. 25. There are very, very few projects, brands, people, artists, designers that can weather and consistently innovate and create amazing things. Um, and I think some of this is like, there's so much like, not necessarily nostalgia is maybe not the right word, but sentimental value wrapped up in stuff where it's like, if you're trying to game this out as like a return on capital with any degree of like fundamental analysis, no, you've blown this out of the park to a yeah. degree that you should just take the money off the table. Like, yeah. and Nature's I said, yeah, I said in like on a couple episodes ago, it's like, if this is encroaching in a like outcome where if you did lose your money that like yeah. you've significantly impacted the, uh, your, your quality of life in a way that you never foresaw, right? Like just the level of security that that could lock in for you not necessarily to go and spend it on something, but uh, that I think it's definitely, there's a, there's a, a total degree of luck as well of like getting in at a certain time. And the idea of a, f a few of your first bets coming true kind of doubles your conviction in a lot of ways. And it's like, it gives you margin. Like the board apes are a great example of like a bet that gives you margin. They're like, Oh, this is the cushion. 
Like you're playing even with if, house chips or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. You're holding the asset and you're playing with um, chip. And I, I was making money in Ethereum last year as well. So like it was all this kind of closed loop, which I don't think if I'd been even earning like a nice paycheck, then converting that into Ethereum, then spending that on cartoons, it might have been one too many bridges there. But this was like yeah, the barrier there. Totally native and like, hey, this may be a once in a lifetime, like, you know, a once in a lifetime behavioral change that you're really close to and you're studying, you're spending a lot of time around, make a couple bets. And um, and I've just spent like an ungodly amount of time on on Twitter, OpenSea, yeah. like, you know, the trung, the tweet that someone wrote about you, where it's like how much nonsense goes in this guy's head. What was that? Has, uh, Hassan. 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 Yeah. You're, that's garbage is like your disc, the discord, that NFT, that's what you saw. Right? Yeah. And that stuff is like not, it is not a pleasant, like, <laughs> it's just not, yeah. it's just not very, like, you could not do this for years and years and years unless yeah. you're like a young kid, I think. Like, I personally, like, Brain I don't have that That's much. why. That's totally yeah. fair. Well, Jack, the one thing I want to add, Blah, uh, uh, let's skip the Netflix. We don't need to do it this week. But the point I want to add to Jack's was episode 20. If you're new to Not Investment Advice and you want to hear more of what Jack just talked about, about, you know, how Jack's like, if, if I had fiat, it would have been more difficult for me to buy, but it's because I had Ethereum. I had already made some money in Ethereum. Listen to our episode with Tom Osman, who sold an Ethereum NFT rock for 1.3 mil. He had purchased it 19 days earlier for 5,000 because everything that we talk about the episode is exactly what Jack just described in the last five minutes about the mindset of 2021, which converged to have him be involved in the NFT community, having ETH at the ready when these projects start taking off and then kind of picking up the signals. But uh, I think that episode really captures, it's also one of our favorite episodes by far. So yeah, I think it's actually that. the most popular episode we've done. It's got that Amazing. sweet, sweet clickbait title, yeah. man. Uh, that was me on the, yeah, yeah. I, after. I was embarrassed to do it. Don't the, change, do not change, it. It. <laughs> do not change it. Do not change it. When we launched the episode, let me just read it out. Now I've changed it on YouTube specifically to, how Tom Osmond made $1.3 million in 19 days from an NFT. Got the keywords in there. Yeah. The, Did you do from one to the next? We've got a ridiculous thumbnail with clip art. This was when I was doing the thumbnails. Jack took over. But you nailed it, bro. You nailed it. You had the guy with the, I think it was Tom, like handing his, oh. Oh, it's good. A plus. Yeah, this, a is, plus. Uh, this is, we need to up the, up the levels there, but that was a uh, nice little canvas skills on my part. But anyway, um, all right, boy. Yeah, we can we can do the Netflix one maybe next time. Uh, we don't have to do, we, uh, it's not important. Netflix yeah, cool. raises their prices. We still, right. everybody's going to pay, whatever. Everyone's going to pay. That's the lesson here nice. yeah, i think we that covered off everything so again if you're new here uh there are new people coming here first of all i think like 30 percent of you on youtube are not subscribing you're listening but not subscribing so make sure you Come press on. the subscribe bell uh, well, hold on a second if you're on youtube and you're not subscribing look at this thing he's ready why are you not subscribing <laughs> wait until i figure out how to use this thing it's <laughs> over it's over and um, yeah, definitely with the green screen, man. That's the that's the move. So yeah, and Trung's adding a new feature to the stream deck every week. Yeah, every, every week, week there's a new one. <laughs> I'm adding a new sailor soundbite. Yeah. In fact, I think we should do it uh, after this episode goes out on Thursday. Let's ask people what they want. Uh, on the soundbite, yeah. What should the soundbite be? And we can add that in. But anyway, um, yeah. Again, thanks again for being here. Uh, we got a lot more coming for you. 
And uh, yeah, make sure you're subscribed on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. What I will ask from you guys, the only way this stuff spreads and how we keep growing, how we get better guests in the future, how we keep putting more energy into it is by you spreading the word. So share this in your group chats, throw it in Discord, Slack it to your web oh, 2.0. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm asking, and this is the first time Fiat fan is asking. I'm asking. Tell your family about this podcast. This is it. That's <laughs> I will, it. You know what? I'm not adding any more sound bites. I am not happy with the pace of this show being word of mouth <laughs> around right now. We're staying at two sound bites on the stream deck until I see more go. progress on this front. <laughs> Hardball trunk. And uh, yeah, so that, that's generally the, the, uh, we get messages from you guys. People love the show. And uh, we really appreciate all the messages. But yeah, just keep sharing it with people because I think uh, we'll keep getting this out there this year. We're really excited to double down on it this year. We've got more coming for you. And as always, this is not investment advice. All vibes, no facts. And we will see you next week.